When you hear the phrase, nobody's coming to save you, you may think that you have to go at life all on your own, but that's not the truth. You've got friends, you've got family members, you've got networks, you've got mentors, and you got your goals. So how do you kick into high gear and make sure that you can save yourself? Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from the How to Sell Show Studios, episode number 175. Nobody is coming to save you. (laughs) You know, I want to make sure from the very beginning you understand that this really isn't uh, a negative episode, and I I do want to inspire you. I want to help you uh, understand some of the things that you go through in business, some of the things you go through in sales. And, you know, having this mindset, this belief, this strategy that nobody's coming to save you is a way to help you. And so it's not a fatalistic thing. It's not like uh, the, the sky is falling. It's, it's a way to believe in yourself. It's a way of looking at life and saying, hey, I've got to make this on my own. And I watch a ton of Shark Tank. I watch Shark Tank for a couple of reasons. One, it's one of the coolest ways to look at the entrepreneurial spirit and see what people do and see what they offer. Two, it's good to see other people present. It's good to watch other pitches, if you want to say. And then three, it's very interesting to me to see how sharks think, to see what they they do and how they react. Because when it comes down to it, deal-making is not something that's taught. And if you talk to the deal makers, they'll say, this isn't something you can learn from a book. Uh, Roland Frazier will say, learning on this is beyond the book. And I will let you know that I pretty much have bought up every deal making book there is on Amazon. And it comes to a grand total of about 15 books on deal making and about 15 books on uh, uh, venture capitalism. So let's say roughly in the world of books out there, in mainline information that you can buy and that you can search, there's 25 to 30 books. And so the cool thing about Shark Tank is it's deal-making at its finest, and you get to see how people react. You get to see negotiations. You get to see failure. You get to see success. It's it's real-life business, all condensed down into about an hour. <laughs> and so I want to let you know, too, that this conversation cyclical. cyclical. We all go through cycles, even me. Raising my hand, Scott Sylvan Bell goes through sales cycles, business cycles. Uh, I've won it all before. I've lost it all before. And I've had to dig myself out. I've had to climb to the top, dig myself out, climb to the top, dig myself out. And I, I, I want to share with you that I'm, I'm pulling back the curtain that sometimes when I record a podcast, I'm revealing problems that I've had in the past, problems that I've had in the present. And they're a reminder for me. They're, they, they are a digital marker on my life. And I can go back and look and kind of smile and nod and go, yep, I remember living through that. 
or I can go back and look and go, nope, everything's cyclical. That's going to happen again. And the reason I share this is the truth is you have to save yourself. You have to be the one that wants to save yourself. And, and sometimes I will see people raise their hand and they want everybody to do it for them. They don't want to put in the work. They don't want to put in the effort. And this means that you must, you must, and I'm, 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 this may feel aggressive because it's supposed to, you, (laughs) you must put in the work. And, you know, when you take a look at what happens in daily business life, entrepreneurs go broke all the time. Today, a bunch of entrepreneurs went broke. Today, a bunch of entrepreneurs made a million dollars. It's it's ups and downs. It's ups and downs. And I, I look at life like a carousel. So I live in Northern California. I live in Sacramento. And about an hour and a half, two hours from here, they have this place called Great America. Haven't been there in a long time because I get motion sickness. But uh, they have carousels. They got this big giant carousel when you walk in. This thing is a monster carousel. And, you know, if you ride on a carousel, it goes in circles and it goes up and down, up and down. And so sometimes when I'm struggling, I take a picture of a carousel or I look at a carousel. I go to Google. I'm like, show me a picture of a carousel. I'm just on a circle and right now I'm on the bottom. And, and the reason I bring this up is, you know, I have this, uh, this belief that nobody's coming to save me. I've, I've got to make it on my own. I'm a, I'm a grown man. I, I can't I can't go to anybody and say, hey, I need I, I mean I can go to people and say, hey, I need your help. And I can take out loans and I can borrow money, but at the end of the day, all that has to be paid back. All of that has to to be worked. And I remember in the recession 2007, 2008, I lost it all. I really did. Lost everything. I mean, I, I remember selling some furniture to pay the rent. And uh when I when I think of like the the depths the, the depths of despair that I've been in, uh, that was a point in my life that really nobody could solve for me. I mean, I had to go see therapists. I mean, there was, there was a lot of bad things. Lost it all emotionally, lost it all uh, fiscally, lost it all in relationships. I mean, it, 2008, eh, not my favorite part of my life. But like when I go back, I'm like, man, I, I lived through a lot. If I can live through that, I can live through everything. And stats say most millionaires have lost it twice. They've lost everything twice before they made their million. Or they've lost everything twice and they've lost all of their millions twice. And I, I am very fortunate that on a weekly weekly rotation that I'm on phone calls with Jay Abraham. And he, he has a saying that you're the solution to someone else's bigger problem. And I get to hear this all the time. I get to hear that that's a reminder that I, me, Scott Sullivan Bell, <laughs> I'm the solution to someone else's bigger problem. And so you... So like you could just say your name, I say your name, even the solution to someone else's bigger problem. And, you know, when you think about what that means is you have a piece to something that somebody needs. And even if you're at the bottom, even if everything's going sideways, you have something to offer the world. And you could say, Scott, like right now, it doesn't feel like it. I'm going to say, you know what? We got to, we got to put on the positive glasses and find all the reasons why versus all the reasons why you can't. You know, that's one of the things that I have struggled with too. You know, uh, sometimes I get caught to talk to my friends. They reframe me. They're like, hey, psst, psst, you're going negative. You're going negative. You know, one of my favorite memes is uh, is a basketball meme. And one of the players is walking down the court and he's got his head down. Another player comes over and lifts up his head, puts his chin up. And it's like maybe five or seven seconds. But know that 
There are people around you to lift you up, but you have to make that decision. You, you have to want it. And desperation is a tough spot to be, be in. You, you know, when you're, when you're desperate, everything is all about you. It's an inward focus. It's a strong focus. And especially when you're at the bottom, everything becomes about you. Everything is, oh, me, 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 me. And, you know, I have been there before. But there's a point where you have to make the decision and say, I'm going to put my feet to pavement. I'm going to take action. Or I'm going to go to the market. Or I'm going to go do a JV. Or I'm going to go make a deal. And it may not be the best deal, but I'm going to make a deal to get some momentum. If you are struggling, then one of the best things to do is just get a little bit of momentum or a lot of momentum to get the ball moving, to get going back again. You know, uh, every salesperson starts at zero on the first day of the month. Every, every salesperson's track record starts, you know, again at 90 days. Every salesperson is always under evaluation. And, you know, your, your first day of the month isn't going to make the month. Your first week of the month isn't going to make the month. Your first month isn't going to make the quarter. But you got to put in the work. You got to put in the effort. And sometimes we, salespeople, entrepreneurs, get caught up in the day, not in the time period. You know, uh, I've had a rough couple of days myself. There's some personal things going on in my life. Things have gone really sideways uh, the last couple of days here <laughs> at the Scott Sylvan Bell House. But, you know, uh, it's my decision. I got to make that decision to move forward. I got to make that decision to go, you know what? Right now is tough. Right now is a struggle. But you know what? Everything's going to be okay. I've lived through weird before. You know, one of my favorite sayings to say to people is, this isn't the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, and so like sometimes I have to remind myself, this isn't the toughest thing I've ever lived through in my life. It's all about putting your feet to the pavement and saying, I can keep going. And I want to let you know, when you struggle, there's not just one silver bullet. There's a, a bunch of action, you know, but it starts with small steps. It starts with like, I'm going to get back into the game. I'm going to take this serious. I'm going to get moving. I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to get back in the game. And the mistake is to look for the easy way out. It may be the hard thing that saves you. It may be the conversation you don't want to have. It may be the sale that you don't want to make. It may be, I'm, I'm going to say it, it may be just getting out of bed in the morning. Maybe the toughest thing for you to do is just, uh, I don't want to get out of bed. I've been there. I've been there where I'm like, oh my goodness, can I just pull the covers over my head? It feels so good to, to just sleep for a few more minutes. And then I start remembering conversations and, and things that I've been around that talk about systems. What's your system? What's your belief system? You know, if I sleep in today, am I going to sleep in tomorrow? If I miss the gym today, I'm going to miss tomorrow. If I miss the podcast today, I'm going to miss the podcast tomorrow. It's all about the questions that I ask myself. And when you struggle, I want to ask you, what actions should you take? Like versus what actions do you take? So when you're struggling, are you a sleeping person? When you're struggling, are you go go to the bar and get some drinks type of person? When you're struggling, are you spend the money type of person? Uh, do you turn to some other activities that I'm going to leave out of here of the how to sell show? Because what I want to do is I want to help you build a path to like what happens when you have the mindset of of nobody's coming to save me. What happens when you have the the roadmap for yourself? What are you going to put in that roadmap? What actions are you going to take? You know, what are you going to tell yourself? Our self-talk means so much to us. 
my self-talk means so much to me. I'm going to, I'm going to own that statement. I'm not just going to put it on you and be like, your self-talk is the only thing that matters and mine doesn't. Nope. My self-talk does too. You know, the things that I tell myself on a daily basis, the, the affirmations that I make, those things all matter. You know, I, I heard recently that, you know, you, you should write your affirmations down. And I heard that last week. So I was like, you know what? I went out and bought a new journal, went out, and bought a new journal, and nightly, I'm writing down some of my affirmations. Wish I could write down all of them. I got a lot of them. But uh, it was it was a pretty cool conversation. And so you're like, Scott, what does that have to do with nobody's coming to save me? It's like, this is all all your programming. This is all the things that you think about. You know, um, William James in the 1920s, 1910s, 1920s, said you are what you be, you become what you think about all day long, roughly. And then uh, Nightingale Conant, copied him and made a, a, a similar version. But like, if, if that's true, you are what you think about all day long. And you take the phrase that nobody's coming to save me and change it around a little bit. Like I got to put in my own work. I got to put in my own effort. I got to put in my own, you fill in the blank. You put in what you would, you would say, and you got to take the action to move forward. So like, what makes you feel good? What actions make you feel good? You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying like some people, like the thing of just going to the gym and getting the endorphins running. Some people it's meditation. Some people it's yoga. Some people it's, uh, you know, basketball. Some people it's, it's hockey. You know, for me, I love reading. Um, for whatever reason, reading makes me feel good. As a kid growing up, everybody made fun of me and said, Scott, you're stupid. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. You know what you're doing. You know, I've got five brothers and sisters. You know, I, I, you got made fun of a lot. Scott smells, Scott stinks, Scott stupid. And, uh, you know, it makes me feel good. I like, I have so many books. I have so many books. I probably get a a couple of books a week. And I I was in, I was in an executive's office, office the other day and we were having a conversation and he had uh, traction, the book traction on his desk. And I, you know, looked at it and said, Hey, that's a cool book. So we started going back and forth on books read. And I think he had like 15 books in his office. And of the 15 he had, I'd read all but one of them. I'd never heard of it. It was an obscure book. And even when I left, I'm like, "Mm, I should check out that book on Amazon. And I looked at it and it didn't look very interesting. So I was like, oh, whatever. So what makes you feel good? What, what excites you? What, what makes you go, you know what? I'm bad. I'm the bad man at what I do. I'm the bad woman at what I do. What gets you going? And, you know, when you start thinking about like all those things, all those endorphins, what are some trophies that you've won? And trophies is super subjective. It may be a physical trophy. It may be the person that you've dated and got married to. It could be the job that you have. It could be a car that you have. It could be a house. You know, everybody's got a different trophy. Everybody's got, like, if you were going to put a picture up on Instagram or Facebook and be like, look at me, I want the most amount of likes on the planet, that's your trophy. That's that's your thing. You know, for me, I will share with you, uh, a trophy is getting to spend time on Oahu, in Maui, on Kauai, you know, in tropical locations. That's a, that's a trophy for me. You know, I I look at pictures every day of sunrises and sunsets, you know, pictures that I've taken that like, oh man, that's like the perfect thing. And it helps me want it because like at the end of the day, nobody's coming to save me. Nobody, nobody's going to be there. Now I do have to modify this conversation a little bit. The, the, the group of people, your network does matter. And The reason I bring this up is your network will encourage you. If you have the right network around you, they will want it for you too. 
Now, they, they can't do the work. They can introduce you to people. They can introduce you to products. They can introduce you to services. They could be masterminds. But at the end of the day, it's not like, you know, someone's going to come over and wake you up in the morning and be like, okay, it's time to get out of bed. Okay, go answer your emails. Okay, make your cold calls. Okay, build out your funnel. It just, it doesn't happen. You're a grown adult. And so when you when you think about nobody is coming to save you, it's really you against you. It's you against you in sales first. It really is. You know, uh, if I had to go up against a salesperson that didn't have beliefs in themselves, you know, that's the person that's pretty much going to lose the sale every every day of the week. And, you know, I like going up against really good salespeople because then it's like game on, game on. You know, I could think of a couple people that I like to go head to head with that, you know, on any given day, that if I'm up against that sales guy, I know that guy's got game, but I also know that that salesperson recognizes Scott's got game too. And, you know, I don't close at 100%. I do close pretty damn good, but I don't close at 100%. And, you know, that feeling of I took that sales guy down. I took that sales girl down. They're good at what they do, and I beat them. I beat them. You know, I go for the dopamine rush. That's the ultimate dopamine rush. A laydown sale, hey, you celebrate all wins and victories. But a laydown sale is not as good to me. It's not as good as a feeling as as a sale that took a fight, as I had to go head-to-head with a good salesperson. That, that to me, is the ultimate. Went head-to-head with a good salesperson, took the deal from them, and, uh, and I won. That's, that, like, that's, that's, a, ooh, that's a good feeling. And so, you know, uh, I, I've been listening a lot to Chris Voss lately. So he's got a pretty good YouTube channel, puts out videos pretty consistently. And I was listening to his son, Brandon, talking about how vision drives decision. And it's made such an impact on me over the last couple of months. I probably brought it up way more than I should have. But mad props to Black Swan Group for, for, the, for the phrase, your vision drives decision. And, you know, one of the things that I do is I have a routine before I go into a sales call. I have a routine before I meet with a buyer. And I do remind myself, vision drives decision. But I also remind myself, nobody's coming to save me. It means I got to put in the work. I got to put in the effort. You know, it's not a sales call. It's a performance. I got to perform. You know, I got to I got to do the work. Now, I'm not a huge fan of football. But like, you know, there there's times on Instagram or Facebook when I'm scrolling through the scrolls and uh, there's a football player and he's getting chased down the field and he does a fantastic maneuver. And I look at that and I'm like, man, you know how much practice went into that? You know, it may be that that, that guy is naturally talented, but, you know, natural talent still takes practice. Natural talent still like, you know, you look at the greats, they still put in the work and they put in the effort. And for whatever reason, I've been watching like a lot of uh, people talk about Kobe Bryant. I've been lock- watching a lot of uh, Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal talk about, you know, what he does and the investments that he's made. And, you know, they talk about the mistakes that they made, but they also talk about the work and the effort that they put in. So I challenge you. Here's my challenge today. What work can you put in today? What work can you put into place knowing that nobody's coming to save you? What work would you put into place if you're just getting started and uh, you, you, you have this belief that nobody's coming to help you, nobody's coming to save you, without you asking, without you paying, without you putting in the work, without you putting in the effort. And nothing 
nothing comes easy for everybody. For me, when I work with salespeople who are naturally talented, they're some of the toughest people to work with because they're used to like just making things happen and making things get it and, and not having to fight for what they want. Now, that's not an absolute. That's not like every salesperson who's naturally talented. I'm going to say a lot of them. A lot of salespeople that are naturally talented, that, that have really good personalities, that look good, that everybody likes, you know, that are funny. When they go into sell slumps, their sell slumps are usually tougher to fix than somebody who's had to struggle, than somebody who's had to work to make it. And once again, that's not an absolute. And then one last thing, I want to give you a warning. A warning, and then we're going to talk about emotions, okay? So warnings. Opportunistic people may be hanging out to take advantage of you. So when you're struggling, that's when you need to pay attention the most. That's where you are going to pick up the people who are going to come after you. That's where you are going to have the biggest issues. That's where you are going to face the biggest struggles. Because opportunistic people love people who are struggling. You know, because they're opportunistic. So let's talk about some emotions that you face. And you know what? I like to have the conversations that nobody wants to have. I like to go to the places in sales that people are like, oh, I'm not comfortable talking about that because I am. You know, I've worked with enough salespeople to see the patterns. I've seen enough of the struggles to know, hey, look, this is really what salespeople face. These are the problems. These are things that they don't typically talk about in sales books. These are things that they typically don't talk about in sales training. You know, I when I when I listen to people who talk about like this is the type of training that I do, if they automatically go to always be closing, I'm like, mm, okay. And I put them on one level. And then when I talk to people who are in sales and they talk about the deep psychology, what I'm going to refer to as the deep psychology about the negative emotions that salespeople face, I'm like, okay, you get it. So here's some emotions that you face, you know, when you're struggling in sales, when it feels like the world is against you. Because at the end of the day, you got you to gotta do the work to save yourself because nobody's coming to save you. It's anxiety. Anxiety. Now, uh, I have anxiety issues because I have a hearing problem. And anxiety sucks. You know, for me, if I'm in a big room and a lot of noise, I can't distinguish other people talking. It sounds like mud to me. It's just, it's a hum. And it's hard for me to, to work a room to be in a crowd because I can't distinguish conversations. I can't hear people. So like if you ever meet me at an event and you're like, hey, Scott, I really like to talk to you. And like there's times where I'm just like, I'm overwhelmed. I can't, I can't deal with that much input. I can't deal with that much noise coming in my direction. Salespeople get frustrated. They get depression. They, 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 uh, they go through the cycle. There's the resistance. Like, I don't need this help. I'm, you know what? I, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. It's like the internal resistance. It's the, it's the loss of the fight. There's loneliness. You know, it, as an entrepreneur, as a salesperson, it's definitely lonely. It can be lonely. It can be lonely when things are not going the right way. On the opposite side, there's motivation. There's the dopamine rush. You know, uh, I love the dopamine rush. <laughs> I think that a lot of people love the dopamine rush. So you got the, the positive, excited, aware moment where you're like, yes, everything is going fantastic. You can't beat me. That's the place where you got to work the most because it's easy to get that taken away. That's where you're like, you know what? Um, it's possible to be in the beginnings of a sales dip when I'm at the best in sales. So like I got to do the work to stay on top. There's surprise. 
You know, there's always that good feeling of closing a deal that that didn't you didn't think you were going to get. You know, it took a bunch of follow up, took a bunch of effort, but you outworked the other guy, you outworked the other girl, and then there's relief. There's relief that you know you're you're closing the deals, you're making things happen, people are saying yes. There's definitely excitement there. So I made a list of things or actions. I made a list of actions that can help you out to stay on top. That can help you out with the belief that nobody's coming to save you or nobody is coming to save me for my for my version for what I got to say. And so, you know, on this list is look what look for what inspires you. What's the thing that inspires you? Who is the person that inspires you? I've got this thing in the mornings where uh, I go to YouTube and while I'm getting ready, I just I type in motivational speeches and I listen to all sorts of different motivational speeches, uh, you know, all across the board. You you name it. I, I'm willing to listen to it. And if it inspires me and it just it kicks in, then I'll keep playing. And if, it, if I can't get engaged in the first two and a half, three minutes, I just I move on to the next one. You know, uh, Steve Harvey's got some really good stuff. Uh, E.T., the hip-hop preacher's got some really good stuff. You know, uh, Les Brown's got some really good stuff. There, I mean, there are some amazing speakers out there that can get you pumped. And so I have this belief that how I end my day matters and how I start my day matters. And how I end my day is going to be what I dream about. And how I start my day is what I'm going to think about all day long. So I look for things that inspire me. Pictures, things of beauty, art. You know, uh, it may be a car. You know, I, I like exotic cars. I don't think I'd ever get one. You know, uh, I've got reasons for that. Just like at one point I wanted a Rolex and I decided, hey, I don't really want a Rolex. You know, but look for what inspires you. What inspires me isn't going to be inspires you. What inspires you may not be what inspires me. Keep a journal and uh, learn from your mistakes. By the way, we all fail. We all fail. I got to interview Jay Abraham two weeks ago. And I was talking to him, and I, I said, Jay, what are some of your favorite memories? And he's like, hey, Scott, I've failed more than anybody, but I've also won a lot too. And man, I've really thought about that over the last two weeks. You know, that's that's a conversation that I've heard from Joe Sugarman. Joe Sugarman told me that in 2016. I got a chance to interview him, and he told me the same thing. He's like, Scott, I've, I've failed more than most people, but I've won because I've been willing to fail and get back up and learn from my failures. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this this conversation keeps happening. I keep hearing this over and over again. And I've heard it from two legends, from both Jay Abraham and from Joe Sugarman. Uh, be willing to pay for knowledge. Be willing to pay for knowledge. And, you know, this could go a bunch of different ways depending upon where you're at in your life. It may be that you buy books on Amazon and, you know, things you buy used books, you go to the thrift store and you buy books. Um, but at some point you got to know that you're going to be beyond the book and you're going to be on the knowledge and it's going to be to the next state step. It's going to take you to the next step. Uh, partner partnering may take you further. Uh, I'm part of a copywriting group and it was pretty interesting. This guy left a really good post tonight and he was talking about how he looked at the best winning offers usually were not solo offers, meaning that the copywriter didn't write it and then built all the traffic and then built all the funnels. He brought in a team or she brought in a team. So this person was talking about how they have a $25 million offer and all the things that they put into it, but they brought in a top copywriter. They brought in a top traffic person. They brought in a top funnel person. And so it was pretty interesting. And and this is what it summed down to. They said, look, you get the funnel going, 
when it's minimally minimally viable. And then, you know, once it fires, you take that money and you hire a team. And I was like, man, this is perfect for the episode that I'm recording tonight. So I'm going to use it. Partnering will take you further. Find the right partnerships. Look to grow your network. You know, uh, I've been adding two or three people to my LinkedIn profile every single day. You know, I'm, I'm, I look for good people to connect with. And then I reach out to people on LinkedIn. You know, hey, great. Thanks for the connection. If there's ever anything I could do, let me know. I mean, I've got a whole paragraph that I sent people. It's not just that simple. Uh, treat what you're going through like a puzzle. How can you gamify it? What's the way you can gamify nobody's coming to save me? You know, how do I make it exciting? How do I make it have a thrill again? You know, how do I make it so that I have a dopamine rush? I ended the day and I made some made some momentum. Fantastic. That's one way to do it. How can you be creative? Ooh, how can you be creative? You know, uh, for me, my go-to is if I got to be creative, I start making lists. Lists are the easiest way for me to start being creative because once you start a list, it's easier to keep adding content to it. And saying, these are all the things that I could do, or these are all the things that couldn't work, or these are all the ways that it'll make it better. You know, uh, these are all the objections. These are all the problems. And it's just a way to go, hey, look, I can build some momentum by making a list. I have to take action afterwards, but I can make a list. Who can you call? Do you have a network of professional friends or people to say, hey, I'm in a jam. Can you just listen to me for a few minutes? Can you get my head right? Can you listen to my mind, get my mind right? You know, um, what are the steps that you would take? Uh, you know, in that is podcasts. What podcast could you listen to? What motivational content can you go to? What like-minded people could you go to and say, hey, I'm raising my hand and I'm struggling. You know, uh, I heard a stat and I've heard this a couple of different ways that most people who get lost in the woods and, and perish are less than a quarter mile from civilization, but they don't want to scream out for help. I think I heard that about six months ago. Somebody got lost on one of the Appalachian trails and some safety person was talking about it. So sorry, no attribution, but I'm remembering where I heard it now. And then uh, when I took swim rescue, when I took swim rescue again, I've taken it a couple of times. One of the guys in the, in the class was saying that most people are scared to say, I need help. They're scared to raise their hand and say, you know, somebody help me here. And what's weird is I have... I've pulled a couple of people out of the American River here in Sacramento from drowning. And when people need help when they're drowning, it, it doesn't sound like what you think it would because as somebody's drowning, they're bobbing in and out of the water. And so what's, what, when I say help, help, you're able to get the whole word in, right? Help. But when somebody's drowning, it sounds like help. Is because they're bobbing in and out of the water. So like recognize that if you have a friend or a family member or a coworker that's asking for help, it may not sound like what you expect it to. It may not, it may not be there in the way that you think that it is. So be aware, you know, think about what you go through when you're struggling. Think about what you say to yourself. Think about what you do and start listening in and keying on people's words. Like you may recognize and go, I know what they're saying because when I'm struggling, I say that too. You know, give people encouragement. Give them a helping hand. It's funny because like I'll go into Facebook groups and someone will post like, hey, I made my first $1,000 in sales. Like the best thing you can do is say, hey, congratulations. Somebody's like, hey, I bought this awesome watch. Good job. Keep going. Hey, I bought this awesome car. You're freaking amazing. And, And like really mean it. 
you know, give that contribution to life to to recognize when people are on their on their path and they're in the greatness. It's always it's always interesting to me how many haters there are. And I'm like, you know, that's just bad energy. That's just you're you're creating a problem for yourself and you don't even recognize it. You're creating issues for yourself and you don't even know it because you can't even recognize that somebody's saying, "Hey, here's my trophy." Just give them a high five, give them a like, give them a hug. You know, give them give them some sort of of, you know, pat on the butt and say, "Atta boy, good game." You know, if he was a sport, that's what they do. It's interesting there's a good book from uh, Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan is a freaking brilliant dude. If you ever get a chance to check out his content, you know, the guy's been around entrepreneurs, and I, I, I think of him as a business philosopher. Dan Sullivan's a super smart dude. And him and Darren Hardy rewrote a book called uh, Look at the, the Gain, Not the Gap. And the premise of the book is this. That instead of looking at what you don't have, look at what it took you to get to where you are. Look, look at where, where you uh, have achieved, you know, look at the things that you have done that are amazing and think about those things versus not the things that you don't have. Right. I'm like, Hmm, that's a good thought. That's a good thought. Like, so like if you're struggling today and you're like, everything is going wrong, Tony Robbins would say everything right now. There's, there's no way in the world that everything is going wrong. Something's going right. Cause you're breathing right now. You know, it may not be the best circumstances, but something's going right in your life. And then very last on this list, look to your drive. What are your goals? What are the things that you want to achieve? Short term, medium term, long term. I've got, I've got a whiteboard on my wall and I've got listed like all the coaches that I want to work with. I got the people that like their names that I wake up to every morning and I see them and I'm like, that's the guy or that's the girl that I want to work with. And that's my programming for the day. And then next to it on two cork boards, I got two cork boards with all my goals. You know, that's got my vision, my vision goals, my driven, you know, all the stuff that I think about, like all the cool things that I'm like, these are the things that I'm going to do. Glass bottom hut in Tahiti. Glass bottom hut in Tahiti is on my list. Just so you know, Uh, (laughs) my friends joke that I'm going to have tacos in a glass bottom hut in Tahiti. I'm going to do it. Glass bottom hut in Tahiti is on my list. So look at your goals. What what are those things that you want to achieve? What are those things that you want to do? And, you know, think about those things and, and have the feelings. I get a chance to talk to Dr. Fern Caslow. She's a performance coach. I talk to her a lot, a lot. I talk to her a lot. And so a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about goal and vision boards. And she was like, Scott, where people screw it up is what they don't recognize is you, when you look at a vision board, what you want to do is program your brain and have the feelings and the emotions that you would have as if you got that thing, as if you were able to achieve that. Okay. So I will, I'm going to share with you one of my, one of my big goals and I'm going to have a house on the North shore of Oahu, somewhere around Wailua, somewhere around Haleiwa. You know, I, I know where I, I, I want this house because of traffic and the cam Kamehameha highway, the cam highway, it gets busy as soon as you start heading towards Lani Kea. And I don't want to be that far. I don't want to be that far uh, down down the Cam Highway. But when I was out there last week, you know, I, I went and I looked in the neighborhood that I'm going to have a house. And I was like, this feeling is amazing. I, they were doing the Vans Triple Crown and Holly Eva Ali'i. And uh, it's the first stop on the Vans Triple Crown. And it was just like the energy and the vibe was there in Holly Eva. It was crazy. It was pumped. Right. And, and so like that feeling I anchored in 
I anchored that in because I was like, look, at some point I'm going to wake up in the morning and it's going to be a tough morning. And nobody's coming to save me and I got to get up. I got to put in the work. I got to put in the effort. I got to do the things that everybody else quits on. I got to keep going. And the good news for you, the good news for you as a salesperson is uh, so many people give up. I know that's not you. And I, I, I'm going to tell you how I know that because you've listened to this episode of the How to Sell Show. You've listened to this entire episode. And, you know, uh, your competition, they're sleeping right now. I, I have met with so many salespeople. They're like, oh, Monday. I hate Mondays. And I'm like, Monday? Monday's my advantage because everybody else is asleep. And then I meet with salespeople and they're like, Friday. Yeah, Friday. I'm going out tonight. And I'm like, you know what? I call it Focus Friday for a reason because everybody else is sleeping. Every, most everybody has a three-day work week. Your competition your competition that are price matchers and discounters, they work three days a week. They they go to work on Monday and they're like, mm, don't want to be here. You know, I'm hungover, I'm tired, didn't get to bed early, didn't get the sleep that I needed. Then uh, you got people that are the opposite of that. And they're like, Mondays, I'm going to be a maniac on Monday. I'm going to go close deals. I'm going to make things happen. I'm going to make sure I'm up early. I get up early on Mondays for a reason because everybody else is sleeping in. And I work a little bit later on Fridays because I know everybody goes home at noon. Everybody goes home at noon. So uh, for you, if nobody's coming to save you, what steps are you going to take so that you know that you can save yourself? And and I don't mean that you have to do it on your own. You could do it with a network. You could do it with a group. But you have to be putting. You have to be willing to put in the work and the effort. <laughs> Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo. Mahalo.